Hola mi gente, it's me, the demon from the dark abyss, here to host Creepy Cheeseless Creepchoker. I hope you guys are ready for all the creepiness in store. Today we will hear from one of Lorna's favorite podcasters, Stevie from Truth or Demons. She talks about the Warrens and the controversy surrounding them that still exists today. The paranormal community is shaking as she explores the real truth behind the Warren stories. We also talk about October and Halloween fun, and then even get to hear some of Stevie's own personal paranormal experiences and adventures. All this and more. So it's time to get creepy. <laughs> Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore here. I hope you guys enjoyed my new co-host, the demon from the Black Abyss. (laughs) I am super excited for this Kryptober. I love the month of October. It is my favorite. I wish I was born this month, but yeah, got stuck with a winter birthday. Anyway, thanks for joining me on my first Cryptober episode. I am super excited for the guest I have today. Uh, it is somebody who I admire, somebody who wears, how do you say, hats of many titles? <laughs> You guys don't even know half of the things she does, and she has shared a lot with me from her personal life, and um, I think we're becoming really good friends. We are just two happy girls, and you will see that in this episode. I just want to give a huge, huge thank you to Stevie from Truth or Demons for joining me on this episode. It was a lot of fun. Even though you can tell she's nervous in the beginning, I got her to open up a little. So thank you, Stevie, for joining me. And you guys, I want to get right into it. So here we go. Hello. All right. Today I have with me a very special guest. I have been waiting to have this person on my podcast since the beginning. Actually, she was probably one of the first followers that ever reached out to me. So, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Stevie. I am the host of Truth or Demons podcast. And I found Lore when I started working on my podcast, and she actually gave me the motivation to do it. Yes, it was it's so funny because like you messaged me and you're like, oh my gosh, I love your podcast. And then I think a few days later, you're like, I'm starting a podcast. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And you're so good at it. Thank you. So what is the name of your podcast? It's called Truth or Demons Podcast. It used to be Distinguishing Demons, but that's not only hard to say, it's hard to spell right off the top of your head. So I needed something a little more like simpler and to the point. Yes. And it's, it's. I mean, demons catches your attention right away, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so what is your podcast about? My podcast focuses for the first season. I intend to switch it up each season to another subject, but my first season subject matter is all about the Warrens and their cases and comparing them to the films and showing all the true aspects that the films, of course, leave out. Okay, okay. And I think I've expressed to you before, and I think you get this from a lot of people, you either love the Warrens or you hate the Warrens. Yeah, there's pretty much no (laughs) in-between. Yes. And I will say, before listening to your podcast, I just thought they were a bunch of crap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The more I listen to your episodes and the way you're explaining everything, I still think they're a bunch of crap, but <laughs> I understand them more. Yes, and I, I've, I'm the same. At the beginning, I was just like, this is a lot of crap, and I'm going to show everybody why. And then I keep going back and forth with, wait, what's this? Oh, wait, what's that? You know. <laughs> 
And that's what I love about your podcast is you question everything, which I don't do. <laughs> that's my favorite part. <laughs> that's my favorite part. I just have so many questions. <laughs> yes, I love that. Because you know me, I'm I'm more of like a I hear it and I believe it, but then I start thinking and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, I'm like, wait, let me let me question this. Just like with the mermaid thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so like this picture. If you guys haven't listened to my last episode, you need to tune in. But I was so like, this This is a mermaid. This is a picture of a real mermaid. And then you were like, wait a second. <laughs> Lord, this is not a real mermaid. I'll tell you why. And now, now I'm like, yeah, wait, that's not a real mermaid. Yes. I love the questioning part because it leads to things you wouldn't have thought of before. And like, I like to follow, I follow a bunch of pages that do that where they'll show a clip of something and you're like, oh my God, is that for real? And then they'll jump on and be like, this is why it's not real and explain it. And you're like, oh. Yes. So I need to practice that slowing down and, you know, but that's why I named my podcast Creepy Chisme because I love the gossip. So I will spread yes, the gossip. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> I love that part about your show. <laughs> I like the attention it gets because I do get both sides. I'll get people like with the mermaid episode, I got people that were like, oh my God, I think I do believe in mermaids. And then I get the others like, come on, what are you talking about? What are you doing? So um, do you want to tell us a little, because I think it's really interesting, how you got into like being interested in the paranormal? So I have been since I was a little kid, ever since I was old enough. Um, well, ever since my mom said I was old enough to watch scary movies, which is about eight. Um, my first scary movie ever was based, was one of the films that's based on a true story. And when I was a kid, I didn't until that movie, I didn't know that kind of stuff really happened to people. And so my very first experience was a true story. And it was the entity. And it's the Doris Byther case. And ever since that movie, I have been hooked. I need to know everything. I need to know all the ins and outs, everyone's experiences, who investigated what and what they turned up. I have to know all of it. I love that. Um, yeah, I think I was about eight when I started watching scary movies, too. I feel like that's a common age. Like everybody I talk to is like, yeah, I was eight. <laughs> yeah. And now kids are like five and watching scary movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> so um, do you enjoy scary movies? I do immensely. Um, that's like The Conjuring. When it came out, it, it struck me hard. I was like, this is great. This is going to be so good. It's based on like the Warrens cases, which I've always heard about. And no one ever really, no one my age talked about it as much as they did before my like generation and so what I knew was just based on like random tv shows I saw gr growing up and then of course Amityville because everybody knew him from Amityville and when I saw The Conjuring coming out and they were like it's based on the Warrens I was so excited I was thrilled and then I watched it and every second of it I loved up until it got too unrealistic and that's when it clicked and I was like okay, now, like, I know movies sometimes add stuff to make it more dramatic or whatever, but this is way, way, way too far-fetched. And so that's what began my really deep dive into finding out what really happened. Yeah, that was a good movie. I will say it was a movie that definitely scared me. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it is really good. Did The Conjuring come out first or did Amityville come out first? So um, the very first – so there's a ton of Amityville movies, actually. I think there's like yeah. 10 now. But the very first one came out, I think, in – I want to say like 19 – late 70s or early 80s, uh, 80 maybe. But that was the first one. And then the then they followed like sequels and stuff. And then the remake was, I think, 2005 with Ryan Reynolds. And then 2013 is when The Conjuring came out. And they actually, it's, I don't remember if it's the first or the second Conjuring where they actually show the opening clip is um, Lorraine uh, mentally walking through Amityville. Okay. Because I'm trying to remember the first time I actually like heard about Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I want to say it had to do something with Amityville, mm -hmm. and it might have been like on Unsolved Mysteries yeah. or something like that. There were tons yeah. of TV appearances like with them over Amityville, but I think I really think someone reminded me of this the other day. I think the first time I heard of Lorraine was through that um, Paranormal State. Do you remember that? 
that yes, TV show? Yes, that guy yes. on there made her really big. And I think I remember that's the first time I saw her. And that was the first time my mom saw her with me and said, oh, I don't like her. And that's kind of that kind of piqued my interest, too, because I was like, well, why doesn't my mom like her? Because she's like into this stuff, but she doesn't believe her. So I thought that was interesting. You know what? Now that you say that, maybe I did see them like um, they used to go on a lot of talk shows, right? Yes. Oh, yes. They loved talk shows. Yeah. So probably, probably, yeah, that's probably where like um, Sally, Jesse, Raphael used to yes. have people like that. Yeah, <laughs> they were so maybe, definitely on there. <laughs> yeah. That's probably where I saw them. Yeah. When I cover the, the Snedeker case, I'll be covering that when they went on that show. It was really funny. <laughs> I feel like the 90s were huge. I'm like, because that's kind of like when it first started coming out, like Paranormal Investigators, and there was a whole bunch of shows about it. I don't know if it was real, but like as a kid, that's what I watched. Like I watched all those shows. I felt like as a kid, it seemed more real. Now it just seems so silly. Well, you mentioned Paranormal State. Just a few weeks ago, I was watching reruns of that. I think it's like on the Discovery channel or the Discovery app. Yeah, I love that app. And it's so cheesy. Yes. It's so <laughs> yes. cheesy. But you're right. As a kid, I was just like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> yes, yes. And you were so scared. You were like, this has to be real. It was on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite case of the Warrens? That's a really good question. Um, I struggle with that one because of every time I do a new one, I learn so much. And it, it makes it hard to decide which one is my favorite but as of now it's probably the parent family because it has the most real evidence like the most um testimonies from the family and the most um that they've come forward the most every other case it's really hard because people either don't come forward or they only come forward a little bit and then they retract or someone debunks them or it's a lot of back and forth so right now it's the con the first conjuring movie the parent family farm but there's some that I, I think I'm going to get into, like um, the Smurls. I didn't really know about them. A lot of people around my age group said that was their first Warren's case that they heard of, but I'd never heard of it until I started my research. So I'm excited about that one. I think that one will be, yeah, that'll be um, after the Arnie case, the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case. Okay. I'm interested to hear about that one for sure. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. It's going to be fun. Now, you mentioned um, you mentioned your mom. Uh, you've told me a few stories and you've even written in to Creepy Cheesemit with a few stories. So how old were you when you guys started ghost hunting? Um, I would probably say 15 or 16. Um, my mom started taking me with her and her friends. And then when my, when we got a little bit older, my brother started joining us and we just like, my mom would ask around or, um, cause this was like before we were super into being able to look up things on the internet. So like early 2000s and uh, we just we would hear like local folklore, like our favorite place was uh, this place in Tennessee called Chapel Hill. And there's a story about a man that walks up and down the, the train tracks with a light. And um, they, they I think he was hit by the train and he's looking for something, but you just see the light swinging sometimes. And we always went looking for the light. We never saw it. But my mom said one day, because um, there's rail, the railroad tracks you can drive over, and one of the parts she drove over, when you're going over it, there's like a little um, underpass underneath it. And she said she saw a little boy in like old-timey clothing run underneath it, and it was like 10 p.m. So it was pretty creepy. I didn't see it, but she said she did. <laughs> I've said it before. Children go scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> Yeah, I've only had one experience, and I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast before, but uh, one experience with a childlike ghost, and it was a time when I was super stressed. I was going through college, and I had this really hard biology course, and like I slept next to my notebook, and I would read my notes every like I was super stressed because I needed to pass the class, and one night I woke up, it was actually in this room that I record in now. This used to be my bedroom. I saw some weird stuff down here before, but this one night I woke up and right above me, the brightest white light, because this room used to get, this room gets really dark. It was a little boy. I don't know how I knew it was a little boy. I just knew it was a little boy, but he had these piercing blue eyes. So it was just like white. I saw the kid's face, but it was like, he was just floating right above my face. Oh smiling cheek to like ear to ear and these <gasps> bright blue eyes and I got scared and I screamed and then he was gone I don't know if I was dreaming but oh it felt real 
Yeah, that was the only time I ever saw a kid. My brother, he said he saw a kid down here playing. He he would run around. He said there's a little boy down here that runs around, but my brother's more in tune than I am. So, and I never get a feeling of anything down here. So, yeah. I don't know if I saw the little kid or not, but that scared. And I said, I was like, please don't ever come back. Yeah. <laughs> please, please don't, don't scare ever. Me. Like, I'm scared. Please. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's terrifying. It is. Any other places you uh, enjoyed going with your mom? Oh, yeah. We've been, we've been to so many places. We booked a night at the South Pittsburgh Hospital in Tennessee. It's supposed to be really haunted. Um, we... Didn't really. So we kind of busted the little, there was a group. Um, I don't remember their name, which is probably good because I don't want to out them. But we caught the leader faking some oh, stuff. He no. had this little ball and he said it was sensitive to touch. And every time it would be touched, the light on it would come on. So he rolled it down the hallway. And as soon as the light stopped blinking, he said, if you're here, you know, touch the ball and make it turn on and it would flash. This man had his po- hand in his pocket the whole time. Every time it would flash, you could he- see it move like he was clicking a button. I was so annoyed. But we did get to go. Um, so it's it's an old abandoned hospital, and it's really crazy. There's a, there's a car inside of it. It's I'll have to send you a picture. It's crazy. This red co- sports car is just stuck in the hallway, wall to wall. There's no way to get in it. or in, I don't know how they did it, but it's in there. And we thought that was really strange. And then the basement was blocked off and we weren't supposed to go down there. But um, the groundskeeper people that were hosting for us, they let us go with the group. And people had been squatting down there and there was so much disturbing things. There was a lot of um, inappropriate things that we were all like, what? (laughs) And then like furniture stacked to the ceiling and like little pathways, like a hoarder's house kind of. And we found like ID badges for local businesses. And uh, we found out later that people had been living down there. So it was crazy. To me, that's scarier than having an- Right, that's what we said. (laughs) That's what we said. We were like, what if there's someone in here now? (laughs) Yeah, seriously, that's scarier. Sheesh. That wasn't paranormal, but the best paranormal one I'd say was the one I wrote in about to your show about when we went to the Santa Maria Inn in California. That's like the most activity we'd ever experienced together. Because usually it's my mom. She'll get poked or pinched or something. But that one, we, we experienced a lot of it together. So I liked that. And that was the that was the one where the celebrity came yeah. in, right? Walter Matthau's room. Yes. He was known for the candy. And we heard the candy wrappers crinkling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, that story was so much fun. I loved that one. um, What was that called that you were driving down in California? We were doing uh, the 101. We did the Haunted Coastal Tour of the 101. And um, it was actually in an app at the time that doesn't exist anymore. But it pointed out all the different places that are known to be haunted. And then the level of activity. And the one that had the highest activity, we got all the way there and it was closed. It was a restaurant and we were so excited to eat there and they had shut it down like the year before. So we didn't get to do that one, but we did do the the Winchester house and that was fun too. And the Whaley house in San Diego. Okay. Now, so you've been to a few places, like actual haunted places. When things happen, like, do you automatically think ghost or do you also question like, wait, how did that happen? In the moment, always ghosts. (laughs) I never, (laughs) in the moment, I have no logic or common sense. And I'm immediately, it was something supernatural. But then as soon as I calm down the initial jolt reaction, I can think like, look around and see um, what could have been bumped or like, my biggest thing is like, people think they see lights or orbs a lot. And so I like to debunk those, whether it was like a car that drove by or if someone had um, like a watch on that caught a reflection or anything like that. Or like with uh, flashlights, you'll see orbs through dust a lot. So I try to question it, but usually it's ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that um, picture you posted recently, by the way, guys, Stevie does a great job at telling people stories and also interviewing people. So you need to definitely go check out those episodes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you recently did a listener story where someone actually captured a ghost hand. And I recently heard this Mm -hmm. episode, and then I had to go look at the photo. And my God, if you haven't heard her episode yet or seen this, go to her Instagram at truthordemons and look at this photo. I don't even know how to explain the photo. Like, it's a legit, yeah, it's like a legit hand. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, and it looks... 
witchy. Like it looks creepy. Yes. Yes. And it's very visible. Like it's very, you can differentiate it from my cousin's face and hair. Cause like some people, she told me some people said, well, isn't it your hair? And it's like, no, it's very clear that it's not her hair. (laughs) No, you can clearly tell. And even creepier, it's like grasping her face. Yeah, like it's trying to grab her and that's pretty terrifying because she's on a bridge too. So like that's so terrifying. So definitely go check that picture out. Okay, so is there a location that you would love to go to that you have yet to go to? Or any, yeah. (laughs) There are so many, but the biggest, yeah, the biggest one would probably be, okay, so The Conjuring House for sure. Um, I've heard that... uh, they've opened it up again. So it was, I think it was closed for a little while, but they've opened it up again and you can book a night there. And I would love to do that. And then like, there's tons of places overseas because it's so much older. I just, I would love to go to like, um, let's see. I can't even think of any off the top of my head. There's so many, but like old churches and stuff, there's a bunch of cathedrals and stuff in Europe that are haunted. And I think it's, um, Lep Castle in Ireland is supposed to be insanely haunted, and I would love to go there. That's – I would – okay, well, I'm too scared to fly over water, but if I could, (laughs) (laughs) I want to go see, like, the old castles and Mm – because they're so old. Like, there's definitely things there. And then I also – I think I really want to go to – is it in Pittsburgh where they had the battle – Gettysburg – the Battle of – was it Gettysburg? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that's a really haunted one. Yes, it might be that one. They have a lot of people capture like full on spirits. Yeah. Like just walking around. Yeah. I want to go there. I really yeah. do. There's another one I just thought of that I've been dying to go to, but I can't. <laughs> you have to have so many people to book and I can't get enough people that are willing. And it's the, um, the, uh, the asylum in Kentucky, the Waverly Hills. Oh, and people say that you're pretty much guaranteed an experience there. So, like most commonly, I've heard screams. Everyone always hears the screams. Uh, the shadow person that's supposed to be there is like really active. So, I would love to do that one. But I got I got to find enough people that are like, yeah, I'm game. <laughs> See, that's my problem. Um, I'm very God. I'm a big chicken. So, like, there's a lot of places in the Midwest around me, especially towards like Ohio, Pennsylvania. If I go that way, um, there's a lot of like abandoned asylums, prisons. I think it's in Pittsburgh. The Eastern State Penitentiary is another one. Um, yeah. My sister got to go, and I'm trying to get her to go again, but she experienced somebody touch her butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that, that's supposed to be really common with women yes, in prisons yes. because of the the type of ghost that's stuck there <laughs> so I'm like I need to go like I want a yeah. ghost to touch my butt so <laughs> but I am I'm too scared so like do you have any advice because you're pretty good at giving advice like how can you protect yourself <laughs> in those situations I understand the fear. Um, when my mom told me she booked that eight-hour overnight in Pitt, South Pittsburgh Hospital, that was my first time in an overnight, and I was petrified. <laughs> I was shaking. By the time we got there, I was like a nervous wreck. But I think the best advice is go in knowing you're safe because that's the thing. People, when they get spooked by something they can't see or like figure out, it's so scary because you don't know if you're safe. You're safe. If they touch you, the most they can do is like, pinch or punch or you know it's not really gonna hurt if anything happens to you I've heard of people getting like seriously scratched and stuff that stuff to me I think is evil uh that that's a bad sign so you should probably leave that situation but to protect yourself beforehand going in I recommend like my favorite thing is obsidian um obsidian obsidian is known to um said to protect against evil like I don't subscribe to any one thing but I like to like put my faith in a little bit just to because you know it could be real and so I like the obsidian. Um, they say if you uh, can, you can sage yourself before or after or both. Um, white candles. If you go home afterwards, light a white candle to protect your space. That's a really good one too. Um, the white candle is like purity and it, it protects your whole space and it's supposed to like let anything know that it's not welcome there if it's bad. Yeah. So actually the other day when I was sick, you had mentioned obsidian because I told you like I got sick out of nowhere And I was pretty sure I'm like, somebody gave me the evil eye. Like, I believe in the evil eye. Yeah. No, I do too. That one's old. (laughs) Yeah. We had a work meeting and like, I, 
when I go to work, I wear black. That's what I wear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm always wearing different shades of black. Sometimes I'll throw a bright color in. But this day I wore a red cardigan, like a bright red cardigan, which is weird because usually with evil eye, they say red like can block the energy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's a power weird. color. Red or blue. Yeah. So I just thought it was weird, but I had so many compliments because <laughs> they were like, oh, Lord is wearing a color. Your sweater is so nice. You look so nice today. And so I was just kind of thinking, like, who gave me the evil eye? Like, somebody did. Um, yeah, because I just got sick out of nowhere. And then uh, you had mentioned try to do or uh, use um, obsidian. And I used my crystal that I have because um, I had, like, stomach issues and just felt nauseous. And uh, for two days, for two days, I would just rub it like all over my stomach. And I want to say like after two days, I started feeling better. I really did. Good. Yeah. 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 That's a a really common one. The stomach, rubbing it on your stomach. Your stomach is your, supposed to be your central for your intuition and stuff, your gut feeling and everything. So when I told you um, that when I learned about it from the Maya people in Mexico, they said to use the obsidian on your stomach for um, cramps and stuff, but you can, you can rub it on any part of your body that you're having issues with or, you know, cause they also use it to grow their hair long. So they just keep it on their person and it makes their hair thick and long. So yeah, there was a lot of things they told us about the obsidian. Yeah. And some, they have obsidian that's actually see-through that they used to use to look at the eclipses and stuff because it would protect their eyes from, like, sunglasses. Wow. I, I, I love that. That was neat. <laughs> yeah, I love learning about the Mayans and the Aztecs. They were a whole different breed of person. I think they were way smarter mm-hmm. than we are. <laughs> People don't want to believe that. Yeah, and they have a lot of secrets. Yeah, they they have a lot of secrets that they didn't share and they didn't leave answers to. So everyone likes to speculate. And I love the speculation and the trying to learn it. So spooky season is here, right? Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> of course, all the podcasters I've run into, we all love spooky season. But um, do you have any traditions you do around this time of year? Um, I used to, back when I was more into going out, I used to speak strictly do my own costume for the month of October. I would make my own elaborate costume of some sort or multiple costumes because sometimes with friends I'd go to multiple places and we'd just wear something different every time. But recently, since I don't like to go out so much anymore, um, I've started decorating my house. Um, The first year I lived here, I did a whole witchy apothecary on my door where I built out of foam like this old witchy, like it looked wooden and I put a little fancy handle on it and a a border around it and made a little apothecary out of cardboard. It was really fun. So I picked that up and I like doing that now. It's just the crafting instead of costume making. Okay, that sounds fun. Um, Where I live is... um in the hood so we don't get trick-or-treaters <laughs> so where I usually stay anyway with my brother um it's like a whole new ball game and like it's definitely Halloween they're like everybody's out people do bonfires so it's so exciting so this year last year was like my first time experiencing it this year I'm like yes because when we were kids we went to a town that was like what you see in movies like kids running across the street families trick-or-treat like everybody was trick-or-treating so that's how I grew up trick-or-treating. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's just something about this season. It just makes me warm and fuzzy. Same. As soon as it hits, as soon as you start seeing it in stores and you, you smell it in the air, it's just, it's a great feeling. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I know you've shared some ghost stories with us. Uh, you experienced some things growing up. Is there any others you have for us? Um, so... My grandparents, they don't like to admit it, but they live in a haunted house currently. They have since um, about, I want to say 1996, they moved in there. And then we moved to Tennessee in 98. And immediately I had experiences from age 12 to now. (laughs) Um, It's very subtle stuff. We feel like the house had been worked on and like renovated and added on to. And we feel like the adding on and all of that kind of maybe stirred it up a little bit because there's no we've looked into the history there's um a woman that owned it did pass but not in the house she passed in a home um shortly after she left the house so there's no record that we can find um i did see i think i told you about it, an apparition in the driveway that looked like a man from the 70s but he was gone so quickly i wasn't sure if i imagined it or not 
But um, the most common things in that house that still happen to this day is uh, you hear people walking upstairs and like old houses creak and you can usually like tell a creak, but this is like actual footsteps and then creak on the stairs and then the water faucets turn on all the time. And that's kind of weird, but yeah, that's, that's the most common stuff. Um, one night I remember the first time I stayed in the house by myself, I was terrified. Uh, the fridge door, I was laying in bed and the kitchen was, um, down the hall and I kept hearing someone open the fridge door. Like I, I wasn't sure if I was imagining it or not, but I could hear the little suction sound every time the door would open and then I'd hear it shut. And so I was like, all right, I better go check just to make sure it's not like broken or something because the fridge, everything in the fridge is going to get ruined. So I get up and I go to the kitchen and the fridge door is wide open. And I was like, okay, that's funny, but can you please not leave the fridge open all night and ruin all the food? Thanks. And so I shut it and I went to bed and it didn't happen again. And our experience in the house is if you ask for things to stop bothering you, they usually do. Um, my mom likes to since my mom is so sensitive to this stuff, she likes to play with it. <laughs> and oh, if we no. have company, yeah, I know. <laughs> if we have company, she'll be like telling stories about how it, you'll hear it come down the stairs and the stairs has a door. Oh, no. And it latches and it, you have to turn it pretty hard to unlatch it. It doesn't just pop open. And she'll be like, yeah, it'll come down the stairs and join us sometimes. You'll, you know, the door will open and it get really cold in here. And the first time she did that to someone, they thought she was messing with them. <laughs> and then you heard the steps. And she looked at my mom. She's like, you're kidding. And then the door opened and kind of creaked open so creepily. <laughs> and then the room got cold. And then my mom's friend never wanted to come back. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you just you keep striking these memories. Um, when I was younger, I used to pretend that I could see spirits. And I would tell my sister and my I had a cousin that lived with us. And I'm like, you know, we have a ghost in the house. And they're like, no, we don't. And I'm like, yes, we do. His name. And I even like named it, gave him a life story. It was his name was Lestat. And they're probably laughing because they know this. And um, our front door used to randomly open. Now, our house that we live in, it's over 100 years old. I'm surprised it's not more haunted than it is but uh so the front door would like open all the time so I would say oh it's just Lestat guys and then I would say Lestat close the door and almost every time the door would close like shut like boom I love it when that happens (laughs) (laughs) but one time I was by myself I want to say I was like maybe 13 14 and uh the door opened and it was shut like it was shut so but it opened And yes, we have a like an indoor porch and there are windows. So that could, you know, explain it. But I remember I was like, (laughs) like I laughed and then I was like, shut the door, Lestat. And then boom. And then ever since that day, I just stopped. I was like, I'm not playing with this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Like it's giving too much attention. (laughs) Yes. So when you say your mom liked to play with it, I'm like, no, 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 that's. That's how it all started. I think I think every time she kind of is in just a little bit disbelief, so she tests it, and then it proves itself to her, and she's like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> like, stop doing that. <laughs> no, you don't play with it. Yeah, for sure. So have you ever participated, like, in any type of game? Like, do you believe in tarot and all of that? So, um... I, I yes and no. So I am open to it being real. Uh, I do practice some things. Um, I wouldn't say practice. I play around. Um, I've dabbled. Um, I like more so the history of it and knowing what all goes into it. And then like the more I know about it, the more it's intriguing that, oh, this might actually be a thing. And so I really like that. Like speaking of tarot, um, I'm getting tattooed tomorrow and my friend, um, she does these cute little witchy tattoos and I told her I want one of your tarot cards. And she was like, okay, cool. And then I spent like a week thinking, do I have a specific tarot card I want or should I let her pick or I, I couldn't decide. And then I walked into, I have this room where I have this little setup and I have a, a stack of a deck of tarot cards on it. And I walked into the room and noticed it was tipped over, which was strange because it, it's leaned backwards. So it had to have been bumped or something to tip over. And so I thought, well, since it's caught my attention, I might as well draw a card and see what it says. And so I picked up the stack and I shuffled a little bit and I pulled the first card and it didn't feel right. So I put it back and I pulled the second card. And the second card I pulled was the Ace of Cups. And the Ace of Cups is supposed to represent like creativity, intuition, self-love. And I was like, that's perfect. That's the one. So that's the one I'm going to get. And that's that's part of me that believes. Uh, I think it called to me and so I answered it. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, I also 
dabble in it. I don't know if I believe it, but I do the one card reading a day mm-hmm. where like you pick a, you pick a card. Yeah, the one that feels right. <laughs> I'm, yeah, the one that feels right. And I mean, I do like have a book where like I write it down and then I try at the end of the day, I try to think like, okay, well, did, what did this, what message was it giving me? Did something happen today? You know, and a lot of the times you can really put anything with it, but... That's where my skepticism comes in because like the the psychics and the readers, they can just lay it out for you and you're like, yeah, I like that. (laughs) See, but that's why I don't go to them because I would be the person that's like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. she knew exactly. And then later I'd be like, wait a second. Same. (laughs) (laughs) You're so excited in the moment. I could be anybody. Anything else this October that you have planned or anything? So for October, I have... um, I recently was shown, a friend of mine sent me a link to uh, a Tennessee Haunts and Legends Expo, which I'd never heard of. I'm, I used to be really into conventions because of the tattoo world and stuff, but I just kind of forgot they existed. <laughs> and my friend sent it to me, and I noticed that there were a couple podcasts on the vendor list. And I was like, oh, can I get on this vendor list? So I emailed him really quick, and I was like, do you have any spots left open for vendors? And they did. So I booked a vendor spot, and I will be at um, a booth in the Tennessee Haunts and Legends Expo on October 21st in the Nashville Fairgrounds. That's awesome. I have yet to find – yeah, that's so cool. I've yet to find anything like that. I did find one – but it's kind of like a huge convention out here in Chicago. That's the thing is Chicago is like such a major city. So when they have a convention, it's like super huge. And I think the fee to join was like $800. And I was like, no. Wow. Yeah. Not, that sounds like tattoos. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do that. So, but I did go and you're not supposed to, but I did hand out like little cards and I had my shirt on, which I'm still trying to work out something with that. But um, that's so cool. Um, I wish we had more of that. I feel like I follow a lot of Texas people and I feel like they're having a new con- like a little get together every weekend. And I wish that's how it was here. Yes, there's but. so many in Texas. I got invited to one and I was like, oh, it's too close. I can't get down there. But yeah, we used to do tattoo conventions in Texas and it was one of my favorite ones of all of the ones we did. Um, mi gente, if you don't know, Stevie is covered in tattoos, which is why <laughs> which is why she's talking about tattoos and they are lovely. She's gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I, I live that tattooed life. Yes, yes. I have a few, but that's about it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I want to actually my best friend's coming up for my niece's quinceanera in a few weeks, and um it's gonna be uh Friday the thirteenth in October. So she's kind of like, let's go get some Friday the 13th tattoos. And I'm like, okay. So now we're thinking about it. Hopefully we get to do it. A a hot tip for you. For Friday the 13th tattoos, go as early as you possibly can. Sometimes they start waitlist at like noon. Yeah. So I'm I'm taking the day off anyway. So I think I'm going to call the guy I go to. And because I know a lot of tattoo places do like a special or something, but I just like, Mm -hmm. I don't care about the special. I just want to see if he can get us in, especially since she's coming in from out of town. Like I'd rather have an appointment. Yeah. And it's just something small. Yeah, that's a special day and everything. Yeah. It's just something small. So hopefully he can fit us in. So. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I hope so. I've always wanted a Friday the 13th tattoo. Me too. And surprisingly, I don't have one. I'd always worked during Friday the 13th at the shop. So it was just (laughs) madness every time. (laughs) Now, would you consider yourself a superstitious person? Yes. (laughs) Mostly because since I don't have the answers, I don't want to test it. So um, my my biggest one is the pennies. Uh, It's so funny. Someone once told me, I don't know who, I don't know when, I cannot remember, but it stuck with me so hard. But I will not pick a penny up on tails, but I will flip it over so someone else can find it. Yeah. So I, I used to get teased a lot. Somebody um, when I worked in the tattoo shop, somebody covered my whole station in pennies and I had to turn them all over and then get someone else to pick them up. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> I had a I had a huge fight with somebody about that. Um because I used to do that too. I used to turn them and they were like, That's not real luck. Like that's not and I'm like, shut <laughs> that up. person doesn't know it's not real. It's like it, exactly. it means something to them. <laughs> think being raised and I always say this being raised in a Latino family as a child like 
we're just raised to be superstitious. I don't think I've ever met a Latino that's like, no, I'm not superstitious. And if yeah. they are, they're rude. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I mean, just like we were actually laughing the other day because I have an aunt who um, I have had her on the show before, but with my other aunts. But I want to get her alone because she's the aunt that. I don't know. We were talking about this. I was like, I think I was five when like she was the aunt who was like, don't go over there. The devil's going to grab you. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like she would scare us, you know. That's awesome. And she's got – yeah, she's got all the scary stories. And so I don't know. Like I'm definitely superstitious. So Yeah. I just – I don't want to test it. I'd rather stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so you've got your convention in October. Anything else planned? Do you go to, like, any haunted houses? you like that kind of stuff? Actually, I've heard you talk about this, and I actually do not like jump scare haunted houses. I find them so upsetting to my insides. Like, I just want to break into a million pieces. I get so nervous. <laughs> the jump is what gets me. It makes me want – it just – it makes me sick to my stomach. So normally, if I do agree to go to one of those, I will go at the end of the line or the middle because sometimes they go after the people at the end too. So I've learned to like figure that out. And that way I get kind of a heads up and then I don't have anybody on my tail and I'm safe. <laughs> and I know they're not going to hurt me. I, I have friends that work the haunted houses. They love the costuming part of it. I love the costuming part of it. But yeah. the jump scare part, whether it's real or not, I, just, like, I feel like my heart can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I um I'm claustrophobic. So like haunted houses are just a big no. Like I never ever did it. But last year I did go to my first haunted house. It was a Christmas themed haunted house. So it wasn't too bad and it was bright and cheery, but you know, it wasn't bad. So so then I was like, you know what? I think I can do it. So I think I'm going to try to do one. <laughs> Oh, good luck. <laughs> I know because I, I am a big chicken, but I'm also like, because I was telling a friend today, actually, I'm claustrophobic, but I think I can psych myself enough to be like, you're safe. Like nothing bad is going to happen to you, even though you might feel like it. It's yeah. just for fun. Like it's just for fun. It's just for fun. It's, yeah. So that's exactly what I say about real haunted houses. Nothing's <laughs> going to hurt you. You're going to be fine. <laughs> See, and I'm more terrified to go into like a real haunted house because, yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's so funny. I think, I think the thing that drives me through that fear is the possibility of learning something about it. Because like most of the time you don't, but there's this, there's always that chance that you might get an experience that you didn't know existed. Yeah. I, I just don't see, and I've never experienced anything evil in my life, like an evil mm -hmm. spirit or I haven't either evil energy. Luckily, yeah. yeah. But I know it's out there and I don't want to even chance meeting it or having it attach or and I think that's what scares me the most. If I know the location is known for having like a white lady like as much as it's scary I don't think I'd be as scared but to go to a place they're like oh there's something dark in there mm -hmm. I would be terrified <laughs> yeah I think I agree uh, we we try that's that's probably another reason I haven't been to the Waverly Hills Sanatorium yet because there's a lot of supposed to be evil spirits in there from evil lives and I don't know it's it seems more nerve-wracking and uncomfortable <laughs> Um, so you love listening to podcasts. That's how you found me. Are there any, um, other podcasts you've really been into lately? Yeah. Um, I recently, so I've been doing a lot of, whenever I have a main topic to research on, it takes me ages because I have to listen to everything. I have to read everything. I'm so neurotic about it, but, um, I'll find, um, I'll Google the subject and podcast and then I'll listen to every single podcast that has done the subject matter. And I recently found one that way called Station 59. And uh, I love it. She's very similar to me, the way she researches and presents the cases like she wants to believe and she kind of does but some she like kind of calls the BS too. She's like, Oh, that's definitely bullshit. So <laughs> I like that about her. And she has a similar take on the Warrens. So we chatted a little bit. And she's been really enjoying my podcast as well, because she's learning more about that subject matter. And I just I love a good podcast that covers everything. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be all true or all like based in, you know, scholarly facts, but 
as long yeah. as they're covering enough and keeping all the stuff open, all the options open for belief. I, I like that. I like yours because you cover everything. You talk about all the superstitions, all the facts. Like I love all that stuff. So yeah, Station 59 podcast is great. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. And uh, listeners, please check out Truth or Demons. Um, I mentioned you are so good at interviewing. Thank you. Which is funny that you're nervous. <laughs> yeah, like you're I nervous for this. <laughs> <laughs> but you are such a natural and just the way you engage the person and you're so respectful and like you've had a lot of really great interviews the past few episodes. Do you want to elaborate a little on that? Sure. Um, so I started out my very first interview. I was thrilled about. I unfortunately have very poor sound quality on that one, but it's such a good interview. I got to interview Andrea Perrin, who is the oldest daughter of the Perrin family, who is what the first Conjuring film is. Their their family. That's who it's about. Or that movie's about. And I got to interview her, and I got to ask her specifically. Uh, how much the Warrens were involved in that kind of thing and what they really did, you know, versus what the film showed. And she was ready to tell all, and I loved that. She's written three books on it, which I highly, highly recommend. If you are into that case and you want to know stuff, read the books because she answers everything. Like I had only read two and a half of the three when I interviewed her, and I asked questions that were answered in the end of the third book that I found later. And it just, it's so much information. It's so thoroughly done. And it's also so beautifully written. She's very, she's very colorful in her writing style. And you really, you really experience it in, in the reading. I really love that. And so her interview was so much fun, which led to, um, one of my listeners reached out to me and I didn't even know he was listening uh, so intently. I like I had interacted with him a little bit and he's a paranormal investigator. He's known for a TV show called Ghost Loop. And then he's also done a few documentaries. And I initially spoke with him when um, he did he did this documentary and he was advertising it on his page and I bought it because I like supporting people and I was really curious. And so I ordered it and I got it and I watched it and we talked about it. And he said he wanted to be on the podcast. And I was like, oh, okay, um, what can we talk about? And that's when he revealed to me that he was a former member of NESPR, NESPR, the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the organization founded by the Warrens in 1952. So that was a big deal to me to speak someone to someone who is directly involved. And that interview started a landslide. Um, I then interviewed a man named Frank Chiafari because that was aired by Tally. And then I interviewed Frank Chiafari and Frank Chiafari grew up working like his, he started, I think he said he was late teens, early twenties when he met the Warrens and just did all kinds of things. And he said Ed invited him on everything. He thinks very, very highly of Ed. And he almost had me to a point where I was thinking highly of Ed. Like he made Ed sound like this amazing man who was so kind and sweet. And I can see how some people would have seen him that way. And I'm encountering that a lot, like the people that love them think they were the kindest people in the world. So that's that's it was an interesting dynamic to have Eric and then Frank. But Frank also had similar feelings to Eric about Nesper. And because of their feelings about Nesper and who runs Nesper now, which is a man named Tony Spira, who is the Warren's son-in-law, their daughter's husband, Judy Warren's husband. And um, they're not happy with the way Tony is leading the legacy of the Warrens. And he's apparently being very money hungry, which is kind of ironic considering I thought the Warrens were very money hungry. So now that I've had these guests, I've, I started a little fire in the community and I was actually contacted by who some considered Tony's right-hand man. And that was interesting and I'm currently working on episodes to talk about that. So it's gonna be good. Um, the things he had to say, some of the things he had to say were insanely far-fetched, and some of the things he said were very telling. So I'm very excited to share that evidence. I call it evidence because, like, it's, like, firsthand of what's happening. And, like, I can show the viewer. And, like, my main goal with season one of my podcast is to tell the truth. I am tired of the paranormal community spreading all these lies and misinformation mostly. Um, yes. It's... It's really hard to say 
in the paranormal community, it's really hard to say in the paranormal community that you know for sure about something. Nobody knows for sure about anything paranormal. Nobody knows what knocks are. Nobody knows what three scratches mean. It's just all speculation and always has been. But because you have people like the Warrens leading this movement, whatever they say becomes law. So it becomes this pattern of people saying, yep, that's what that is. Yep, that's what that is without further questioning it ever. And that drives me crazy because some of the stuff that I don't believe in, I think if they looked a little deeper, if they tried to question it a little bit more, they'd get different answers and they wouldn't feel so strongly about it being this specific thing or reason. So that's my goal. I want to, I want to expose the truth in the community as far as like what's worth listening to and what's just a bunch of bullshit. That's amazing um, because I think it would be cool if you could actually get him to come on the podcast and tell his side of the story. I told him, uh, he when, we, when he first contacted me, he specifically said, I don't want to be on the podcast, which I said, that's fine. And then we talked a little bit and I said, look, you don't have to come on and defend yourself. You can come on and tell your life tell your experiences, tell your side of the story and show people that side instead of arguing or instead of saying, oh, these people are wrong or what they said is untrue. Just tell me about you. And he said he might, but I kind of have a feeling he won't. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe if he's very prideful, he might. Yeah. He seems like it. He seemed, um, he seemed very, uh, lack of a better term, butthurt by my guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. That's the vibe I got when you told me about this. And I don't know, that would be really good <laughs> to yeah. get them on. Yeah, just and I like the way you worded that, like tell your side of the story, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm not here to say who's right or wrong. I need people to share their stuff without the he said she said who's right or wrong just share your part so other people can decide because everyone's going to think differently regardless but if everyone has all the information it's so much easier to make you know your educated guess or your decision yeah um have you ever gone to the the warren's museum i have not um i was really hoping that i could um because of my interaction with this person that is Uh, so close to Tony, I had, I might have had the opportunity to, but um, it's unfortunately closed to the public due to greediness. So um, everything online is like, oh, there was zoning issues. Tony couldn't operate the museum anymore because of zoning issues. Those zoning issues were greed because he wanted more and more people to come and pay to come and So the city is like, this is a house. This is not a business. You can't do that. And so that's why they were shut down. And also, there was some flood damage in in the basement. Because the museum is in a basement. Yeah, It's not in a its own building or like the the when you listen to Tony it makes it sound like it's its own building on the property but it's in the basement of the house and it suffered some flood damage and some um people I know that have been in it say that it stinks really bad and it's kind of uncomfortable cuz it's musty and gross and so it's more of a uncomfortable atmosphere versus a haunted one in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I do know, like, he does uh, travel with some of the uh, stuff now, right? Yes, that's a big issue for some of the people. Um, one of my guests, both of my guests so far, um, Tony, or not Tony, um, Frank and uh, Eric, don't understand why you would travel with things that are said to be so haunted. So it's a good, that's, that's uh, a, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Like, why would you do Why would you take Annabelle on an airplane? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal for some people. Some people are really mad about that. And it it debunked it a lot for some people. Some people are like, yeah, no, she's not real, that kind of thing. That's the that's kind of how I took it. Um, I don't remember what convention it was that it came here, uh, the Annabelle doll. And I remember Mm -hmm. I was like, at first I was like, ooh, and then I was like, wait, no, like, why? (laughs) Yeah. If she really is so dangerous, why would you take her places that are so heavily populated in such a small space? She's pissed. (laughs) You're pissing her off. Stop. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are some other dolls in the world that I would be more afraid of and wouldn't mess with. But Annabelle, I'm not so sure about. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thank goodness I didn't know that story till I was an adult because my cousin had the Raggedy Ann doll. I would have been mm-hmm. petrified because it sat yeah. in her room and like I'm like, whoo, thank goodness I didn't know that. <laughs> That's so funny. My grandmother had one of the um, original Chucky dolls. The uh, I can't remember what it was called good, before it was known. The Good the Boy. Good, or something. yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. She had one of those, and I remember seeing the Chucky movie, and then seeing that doll in her house, and thinking that she had Chucky, and I was <laughs> petrified. <laughs> I thought my grandma doesn't know it's gonna get us. <laughs> See, now dolls definitely scare me because I truly believe that, um, which is kind of why, like, that's one thing I do agree with the Warrens, like, negative energy can trap itself in things like a doll or a box or whatever. Does it stay there? I don't know. And then just, they're just creepy, so. Oh, I agree. There are several um, supposed haunted dolls in the world that I wouldn't mess with, Um, but Annabelle is not one of them for me. Um, Some people I know are truly terrified of her, but because of my research and because of my recent conversation with Nesper, I can't. (laughs) I just can't believe in her anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it goes back to the whole idea of superstition, right? So there's this haunted doll, right? And they made a whole story about it. And then one person... You know, Mm -hmm. who didn't do what they were supposed to ended up dying out of how many people, right, that have seen this doll, taunted this doll. But this one story makes it believable Mm -hmm. that she's real, right? She's cursed. And I find it. It's all it takes. Yeah. And I find it very funny, too. The Annabelle one, it really gets me. That's why I'm working on the part two for my first episode because of so much more that I've just uh, not discovered but learned and – um, attributed to different things, what I've learned. And so I have to make an episode two to explain all of that. And it's just like, firstly, everybody that tells the Annabelle story says Annabelle was owned by a woman named Donna and a woman named Angie. And then they had their buddy Lou in the house. That's not who they were as far as like if you go to the original source the book that the Warrens wrote the very first account ever recorded about Annabelle the owner the owner is Deirdre Bernard Bernard and then her roommate was Laura Clifton and then the boyfriend or fiance was Cal Randell and they're all named in the book first and last names but nobody else in podcasting and YouTube in any kind of content creation knows them by those names. I've yet to see anybody cover those names correctly, except like two who read the books. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody, unless you're like a hardcore Warrens fan, you haven't read the books. Mm-hmm. You've only gone by the movies and then like what other cre- content creators have said about her. And nobody goes farther than what Tony says. Everybody goes straight to YouTube and watches Tony's videos on Annabelle, which he does own Annabelle, but that's it. That That's it. Like he doesn't know, he doesn't even try to get the information right anymore. He just says it how it comes out. I've heard him say um, Donna was several different ages, several different years that they discovered her and the and the doll. Um, several different several different ways. Um, it was this priest or that priest or this Darch diocese. You know, it's always a different story. So no one ever goes from the actual original source, and that bugs me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I don't know, that's tough. Yeah, I never fell for the story of Annabelle. Um, but like I said, I do believe in haunted dolls. But yeah, I'm with you on that. I definitely don't believe, I'm not going to say I don't believe it. I'm just going to say it's it's hard to believe. No, I understand. Yeah. It's harder to yes, believe. For it's hard sure. to believe. Oh, and that that's what I was going to say. The the biggest, so like you said, the biggest evidence that people go on for this, this, haunt, this particular haunted doll is the motorcycle accident where someone supposedly died after harassing the doll. So I mentioned in my first episode how I couldn't find any evidence of that. Like I'm a hardcore researcher. I have to look as deep as I can, as deep as like, I'll pay for it if I have to just to get the evidence. And I have, I've got the um, newspaper subscriptions and stuff. And I've searched every newspaper, because most fatalities are printed in the paper, especially back then, because that was like the main source of media. And so I didn't find a single thing. So this person that contacted me 
to very adamantly tell me how real Annabelle was, mentioned that if I wanted that information, I had to go physically to the Bridgeport, Connecticut library and find the archives that wouldn't have been put on the internet, he said. I don't know if I believe that. So I have all five libraries. Actually, there's six. I have all six libraries saved their phone numbers. So I will be calling them and asking them if those archives are available online or not. Also, I recently learned that I can just call the local police station and they will tell me of any motorcycle fatalities in those years. Like, because no one gives a date for this. Um, the first mention of it was in 1997 on um, Seekers of the Supernatural with Tony. He hosted it and the Warrens were on it. And that's the very first mention I can find of the motorcycle accident. And so anywhere from 1980 when the book was published to 19, or for I, guess, I would say 2000, anywhere from there, if there's no motorcycle fatalities on those main roads around the Warrens house, because I have the roads written down too, like I'm crazy about this. If there aren't any with a female passenger, then I know it's it's debunked. Yeah, and you're right. Uh, I've only heard the motorcycle story through word of mouth. Um, I've never actually seen. I don't even know who it was. Like I, <laughs> it's just a story, right? It's just a yeah, story. Yeah. It's not in the book either, and that that's another one of the things that bugs me because if it was an original part of the story, you think they'd put it in the book or at least like in another book because I, I, I guess it would have happened after they released the book, but like it's not written down anywhere else. And also the thing about Annabelle is I've heard from multiple people that during their lectures, which is where they gave most of this information out, they would change Annabelle's story. Um, they would say sometimes that the doll was a gift and they contacted a medium. And sometimes they'll say that the doll was a gift and they played with a Ouija board. And uh, so that's the one I heard. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and that's the thing. A lot of people have either heard one or the other. And so when they learn there's um, another version that adds to the skepticism. So. Oh, uh, see, this is why you need to go listen to Stevie's podcast because she goes through fire to get her information <laughs> and she I'm a little bit obsessed <laughs> but she speaks her truth and that's what I love about it too so definitely check her out thank you for joining me but before we leave let's just have a little fun All right. um, a little get to know you a little get to know you um let's see where your mind is <laughs> so uh I actually got this idea from my buddy Albs, who will be on my next episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, he had me on for an interview a while back, and he played a game where he would give me a word, and then you'd have to sing a song. But I'm not gonna make you sing. Okay. I'm not gonna make. <laughs> I'm not gonna make you sing. <laughs> but I am gonna give you a word. I'm gonna give you a word, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. And okay, I love this game. Okay. <laughs> and because it is Cryptober, um, they're a little bit, you know, words you'd find around this time of year. All right, you ready? Yes. It has to be like the first word you're thinking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, and we're gonna go kind of quick. Okay, ready? Okay. Mm -hmm. Ghost. The Warrens. <laughs> Pumpkin. Oh, Jack-o'-lantern. Monster. Oh, Monsters, Inc. <laughs> Tully or <laughs> Sully or whatever his name is. I just think the big blue guy. <laughs> Sully. <laughs> Sully, yes. <laughs> Dead. Ooh, um, I love Mexican culture, so I instantly thought of Day of the Dead. Okay, which... <laughs> Oh, me. <laughs> My biggest obsession, witches, yes. <laughs> Serial killer. Oh, I always think of Ted Bundy, unfortunately. It's just <laughs> the one that pops into my head. <laughs> Aliens. Ooh, um, my very first uh, alien film, Fire in the Sky. Oh, that's a good one. I always think of that one. Spirit. Mm, spirit. Um. For some reason, I'm thinking like self-reflection and love all of a sudden. Okay, okay. And the inner, inner thing. <laughs> cemetery. Oh, cemetery. Uh, adventure. Blood. Uh, nausea. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you faint? Do you faint when you give blood? 
I do not, but I do get lightheaded. I have not ever oh. fainted, thankfully, but I do get lightheaded and a little nauseous. <laughs> Just with my <laughs> own. Feel- with my own. If some, it's oh, someone gosh. else, it's, it's different, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're almost done. Darkness. Um, scared. Coffin. Mm, Halloween. <laughs> De- <laughs> Demon. <laughs> Tony Spira. <laughs> no no comment famous <laughs> famous court case oh arnie cheyenne johnson oh famous murder mm. oh uh matthew shepherd haunted location. i'm from i'm i'm from wyoming so that's why i thought of matthew oh <laughs> okay i was wondering like why would she say that? okay <laughs> Yeah, I, I, um, that's a good case. That's a good case. It was my first one that I was made aware of because I grew up there. So okay, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, haunted location. Haunted location. Uh, the Winchester House. Curse. Ooh. Um, I instantly thought of werewolves. Ooh. <laughs> Scary movie. Mm. <laughs> Scary movie, the comedy. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Say any word, go. Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we started with. <laughs> yeah. You said you- go, and my mouth was like, ghosts. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me, Stevie. I had a blast. Thank you for having me. Yes, you shared so much knowledge with us. If you enjoyed hearing about the Warrens and Annabelle and all of that, be sure to check out Truth or Demons podcast. Where can we find you? You can find me everywhere. Uh, Mainly Spotify and Apple Podcasts are the biggest, but there it is on every platform. All right. And then do you also have social media? I do. Um, Truth or Demons podcast on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Uh, I do apologize. I'm terrible at updates, but I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to make more content. (laughs) (laughs) Me and the know I'm terrible too. I'm really active on Instagram, but like Facebook groups, I feel so bad. And TikTok's once in a while. So Mm Instagram is my favorite for sure. Yeah, it's just easier. And it's like Mm -hmm. everything is right there. Yeah. But I just want to let you know before we go that I am so proud of you and how far you've come. Thank you. you Yes. I wish you nothing but the best for your podcast and just in general because you're pretty amazing. That's Um, right back at you, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being a part of my Cryptober. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And mi gente, please stay tuned for more creepiness this season. Ooh, that episode had me shaking in my demon boots. I don't know about you guys, but I think I need to change my panties. If you enjoyed that episode, be sure to tune in next week for another all-new episode of Creepy Cheese And if you aren't, be sure to follow Lore and Creepy Cheese on social media. You can find her on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook groups, and you can even email your scary stories and experiences to Creepy Cheesemith for you. That's the number 4YOU at gmail.com. Lordy loves to read your stories. I promise I'll tell her you stopped by. And as always, gracias por escuchar y nos vemos. Creepy Cheesement is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the cheesement. Adios, mi gente.